ability that he could quote ayat and he immediately without any hesitation quoted the ayat and said don't you know about the ayat that the food of the Ahle Kitab is halal for you and these people they are all Christians so or they might be Jews and uh, fine so now what are you getting too deep about it and the other ayat says that you eat what you have read the name of Allah Ta'ala upon so I'm going to start eating now whatever whoever slaughtered this animal whatever all that aside I'm going to read Bismillah in it. So Allah Ta'ala says, وَكُلُوا مِمَّا ذُكِرَ اسْمُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ Eat of that which, upon which the name of Allah Ta'ala has been taken. I'm taking the name of Allah Ta'ala. What you got a problem with it? Now how far away this person is from the understanding of deen, not understanding or not misunderstanding, he has gone to a distortion of deen. Whereas he could quote, he could speak Arabic, he knew these ayat, but he was not miles away, he was light years away from what is the meaning of these ayat and what is the ahkam that are contained in these ayat. So this is a very very glaring example of how a person despite having some kind of as we will term it in our terminology, kitabi knowledge meaning that he has learned something from some books He's learned something from some books, but what books they may have been, Allah knows. But he is far away from being anywhere close to what the reality is, what the correct aspect is, what the correct knowledge is. <coughs> so, faqahat fi deen, understanding of deen, is not just learning some kind of theory. The theory is very important, that correct theory has to be learned, and the theory is extremely important. That is the reason why we find so many kitabs that our Akabir have also authored and this has come down from the very early ages. The Muhaddithin compiled their kitabs, the Fuqaha compiled their fiqh, etc. So all this was compiled, so this is theory, but the theory, as important as it is, it is the vehicle to get to the reality. It is not the object in itself. It is the vehicle, it's an aid, it's an assistance to get to the reality. Now many a times what happens is that people get enough of the theory but the reality they miss out on. And as a result of missing out of the reality, they are far away from this faqahat and from this understanding of deen that has been mentioned in this hadith sharif. To get to an example that is more closer to the situation that we are in, we are in in the sense that, that this is a girl's madrasa, so mashallah you are studying, learning deen, alhamdulillah, Allah ta'ala grant barakat in this effort, Allah ta'ala grant barakat in the knowledge, Allah ta'ala grant barakat in the understanding, but just to get an idea of how sometimes this is misunderstood, one girl mashallah studied very well in some madrasa, talking about these things don't happen on this end of the world, all these kind of things happen towards Durban side, this was somewhere on that end of the world. So in any case, she studied in some girls' madrasa and did very well. And mashallah, her isti'adad was excellent. She could recite the ibarat, etc. excellently. And the husband was an alim also. And I'm sure that he wasn't in any way, he couldn't compare with her isti'adad. So that also was a little bit of an issue for him. But be that as it may, 
Now she was, mashallah, so engrossed in her kitabs that many a times when the husband would come home, the food is not ready mm-hmm. and she is not, nothing of the chores have been completed. So now the honeymoon doesn't last forever. One day, one week, one month, so sooner or later it's going to start becoming an issue. And then he started taking issue with it that now still there's nothing prepared, etc. So one day she said to him, look, I'm too busy with my kitabs, you want to eat something, there's the fridge there. So mashallah, she is somebody so engrossed in her kitabs. Now, can somebody fault her? Yes. She doesn't have the correct understanding. She's got a lot of theory, mashallah. She's got a lot of isti'adad maybe, but that faqahat is missing. What is the faqahat? The understanding and the faqahat is that each one to fulfill their correct role in keeping that home going smoothly forward. When Hazrat Sayyida Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, when her nikah was performed to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala one is the aspect about that who is, what is the responsibility of each party in terms of what is something that is farb, what is wajib, that is in its place. But when the nikah of Hazrat Fatima Radilana took place, Nabi Sallallahu this is in Tabakat in the Saad, in other places, the Nabi Sallallahu apportioned all the duties that pertain to outside the home to Hazrat Ali Radilana and everything that pertains to inside the home to Hazrat Fatima Radilana. Now there are many things that will happen inside the home. So in principle, this is the responsibility that Nabi Islam placed on Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala there are certain things that are a kind of moral responsibility if everything goes by the book then life would become very difficult because everybody wants to just go by the book and the wife will say it is not my duty to cook the husband will say it is not my duty to pay for your medical bills also and there will be a list of things each one can say Mashallah, what a happy home that will be. That way everybody goes by the book and every time that the wife says something, the husband is saying, look at rule number seven. And every time that the husband says something, the wife is saying, look at rule number five. And that will be even the employment out in the world, this will be even more complicated than that. The CCMA also won't be able to resolve it. Because there is a thing called a moral, moral responsibility as well. Now this was that moral apportion, uh, that moral distribution of duties, that everything inside the home, the beast awesome apportioned was at Fatima Radiallahu So now it will be the cooking, the keeping the house clean, taking care of the chores, all the issues of the children, etc. And now earning for the family, doing whatever is necessary, bringing the necessities, all the other things that pertain to outside the home. And yes, in this, there is that situation where Nabi Islam by his practical example he demonstrated how he also despite being the greatest of the creation of Allah Taala, he had that humility that he would assist in some of the chores of the house obviously to the extent that was possible in time wise and so on but he assisted with it but in principle he apportioned and distributed the duties in this manner now this is that faqahat of deen that a person understands the priorities, understands the responsibilities, that this home, what is the zapta, 
One is the rules and the other is the rabta, that there's a bond and that relationship. And on that relationship, there are things which each one is considerate of the other to make sure that everything goes smoothly forward. So now somebody who has not understood that there is a time for when the kitabs need to be consulted and time to be engrossed in the kitabs and what is the priority of taking care of the husband, taking care of his home, taking care of the children. If somebody didn't understand that and they mashallah learned some very big kitabs but they missed the points. Now this is just one example and this is a real life example that is why I gave this example just for the Ibrah not to look down upon anybody but this is sometimes how we end up missing the points. What the point that we want to get at is that mashallah the studying, this learning of deen is an extremely great thing but it should bring us to that to fulfill that role which Allah Ta'ala has a portion for us. And that role is that every woman is a potential mother of a great leader of deen, leader of the Muslims. She is a potential mother of somebody who will bring about great changes for the Ummah, positive changes. But behind that personality will be her efforts. If you look into the lives of all the great personalities, many of them you'll find that even their fathers were already out of their lives, they passed away. Before they even came to age, before they were even grow, growing up to any understanding age, the father had passed away. Imam Bukhari, his father had passed away. Many, many others, they were orphans. And it was the mother that brought them up single-handedly. But that mother had such an insight to what is the reality that she groomed this child up in a way that he became a beacon of light for the Ummah. Now the people throughout the world, north, south, east and west all saw this light and they were so impressed with him. But nobody knew behind that light there was a silent effort of this mother who understood what is deen all about. So the knowledge of deen, mashallah, this is an extremely essential aspect, but this is not the objective in itself. This is a means to an objective. And that means to the objective, one is for our personal self. The personal self is that that those who have ilm, that ilm will develop khashiyat in their lives. It will develop the fear of Allah Taala. They will become conscious of Allah Taala. So that is the one aspect to keep reflecting upon. That how much is this ilm creating this khashiyat in my life? MashaAllah, the theory we are learning that is excellent, but together with the theory, the tarbiyat that is being given to us, we should pay equal attention to that. It must not be that we regard the theory as the maqsood and the objective in itself, and whatever tarbiyah programs are held, whatever the sihat, the asatiza, the muallimat may be giving us, whatever aspects of life they are trying to develop in us in terms of sifat and qualities that gets regarded as a secondary thing and the attention to that is not that that attention is not given to it which should be given then we will go through the motions but we will not leave with what we are supposed to leave what we are supposed to leave is that a person who has acquired ilm their zahir and batin has become muafiq of sharia 
the external self and internal self, they have made it comply with what the requirements of deen are. External self, there will be that consciousness, for example, to dress in the way that deen requires. And the primary and bottom line in all this aspect of dressing, especially if a woman is to emerge out of her home, the primary aspect would be haya. And even indoors as well, that this haya that is a main factor. Especially now, somebody is going to be in the presence of their children, presence of others in the home. So now that haya is a primary factor. But many a times these kind of situations come up, that somebody has learned some knowledge, they've acquired some knowledge, but they are emerging from the home, let alone indoors, emerging from the home in a way that is totally against the dictates of Sharia. If there is something called an abaya, that abaya is more attractive than somebody else's dress. So now instead of being a distraction, it becomes an attraction. Now this is the whole point being missed. That what was the purpose of that? That faqahat is missing. So that objective that was supposed to be acquired, that faqahat, that when a person, now she out of necessity, sharia necessity has to be at home, then the requirement of sharia is that she is going to live in a way that actually distracts somebody's gaze. Now everything is done in a dini guise, but to attract the gaze. Now this is going completely in the opposite direction. So what is the problem here? The problem is again that we missed the point. That we didn't realize what is the objective. Then, for example, the concept of hijab and parda, that becomes something confined to the niqab. That if somebody is adopting the niqab, then they have already now fulfilled what the requirements of hijab are. Whereas the niqab is one part of hijab. That if a woman is going to be in the presence, going out of her home for some necessity, or in the presence of somewhere where there is going to be some non-mahram, she has to go to some she's going to be traveling, she's going to be in some place where some non-mahram is, so then niqab is also to be adopted. But hijab is something that is a more comprehensive concept. It's a set of rules. For example, talking to a non-mahram, how will she talk? So she will talk that is, if there is a necessity to talk to Sadovud. She has to talk to a, explain to a doctor what is the problem. Oh, she, there's some, she's now traveling, she's at a place where somebody is asking some question or at the immigration or something now she has to give an answer or she has to answer the phone now at home when somebody has called so how will she answer that phone so now that faqahat requires that she understands what is the meaning of wala takhda'ana bil qawl that don't speak in alluring tones so she would speak in a manner that is that distracts the listener that the person who is hearing her voice on the other end out of necessity he doesn't feel attracted in any way she will make an effort to make it such that that person feels disinclined. Now this is part of that faqahat. Now otherwise, in this time and age, you'll get people saying, Nawazubillah, that this niqab is something, this is an Indian custom. The Aisha Siddiqa in the incident of ifk, the lengthy incident, we don't have the time to go into that incident now, but when she fell asleep, now because the caravan had already left, so now she waited for somebody to come along, and then she will now move on. So she fell asleep and had Safan bin Mu'attal radiallahu anh, who was far behind as he passed by and he comes along and he sees somebody here and then he recognizes her. 
how he recognizes her in the Rewaiyat of Bukhari Sharif Aisha says وَكَانَ قَدْ يَرَانِي قَبْلَ الْحِجَابِ He used to see me before the laws of hijab were revealed In other words, thereafter there was no chance of him ever seeing me And when he saw her, he got a shock that Ummul Mu'mineen is here so he immediately recited إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ When he recited إِنَّا لِلَّهِ aloud she heard this and she awoke When she awoke the first thing what she did now this is faqahat and this is the understanding of deen the first thing she did was فَخَمَّرْتُ وَجْهِ بِجِلْبَابِ She said I immediately covered my face with my jilbab Now this was a requirement of parda and hijab so she did this then now she had to be in the company of this non-mahram because out of this sheer desperation let alone necessity, this was a desperate situation how did he conduct himself? he went and seated his camel and he disappeared behind one bush until she mounted the camel then from in front he led the camel and how did they move? she says فَوَاللَّهِ مَا تَكَلَّمْنَا بِكَلِمَةٍ by Allah she takes a qasam we didn't speak one, didn't exchange one word now this is the dictates of the laws of hijab that there's a non-mahram but there's no need to say one word so not one word was said whether that non-mahram is a brother-in-law whether it is a cousin, whoever it might be now this is fulfilling the dictates of what the sharia is now, unfortunately in this time and age you'll get those who are trying to bring all this down that niqab, this is an Indian custom as far as the laws of hijab are concerned you can't be too, too strict about things all these things are fine now then there's intermingling, there's mixing, everybody's talking to anyone and everyone and well all this becomes now, everything becomes deen but this is actually far away from deen so what is the very important thing is one is to understand the theory to acquire the theory, mashallah that is necessary and which you are making effort on but simultaneously your asatiza, your muallimat are imparting the essence of this theory and that is what you need to latch on to that understanding, that faqahad that what is deen requiring of me, what is the spirit of deen that ruh of deen otherwise we will have words and words there are even people who in this time and age as well there are people without iman who have acquired that amount of theory which you and I didn't even hear of some of those books that they have studied those kitabs that they have gone through but what benefit is that going to be to them without iman what benefit it will be Mufti Mahmoud he mentioned one incident of one Jew who wrote a book, a thick book of several hundred pages on the life of Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud fully referenced, quotations everywhere and very well done but what was his whole objective? towards the end, after he's now won the heart of the reader very well written and then he brings one baseless accusation and he says sometimes, na'uzu billah sometimes he used to fabricate hadith now that whole book was written for this one line poison that was the objective, this was the agenda now he studied so much he went to so much of depths he opened Bukhari Sharif and Muslim Sharif and all the other various books of Hadith and he was studying day and night and writing and what a task it is what was the whole purpose of all this? the purpose of all this was to poison the mind of the reader against Abdullah bin Mas'ud because if this is what is achieved that the reader, his mind gets poisoned against the Sahaba then take the Sahaba out of the equation there is no deen left it's like taking the foundation out and you want to still keep the building in its place. 
But the first level, Nabi Stasim laid the foundation, he laid the foundation of the Sahaba Ikram. And on the foundation of the Sahaba Ikram, the rest of the Ummah is built. So now take the foundation out and keep the house standing. So this is the aspect that we need to take this essence of Deen, the spirit of Deen. The spirit of Deen, it requires that a person makes an effort to bring Amal upon that ill. First is the Yaqeen on that ill, then is Amal upon that ill. So now, mashallah, we are learning many things. We are learning about our amal. We are learning about salah. The person of ilm should be the one setting the example. The people of knowledge and those who don't have knowledge are not equal. Generally, where we confine this is that a person of knowledge, well, I have some knowledge, so I am more superior. Who is superior? That only Allah Ta'ala will know. Somebody can be a'lam, but it doesn't mean he's afzal person can be alam in terms of the ilm but another person can be afzal because the maqsood of ilm the amal he's got more so whatever he is doing he is getting closer to Allah Ta'ala. so the issue is that the person of ilm should be setting the example like salah time and the person who's studying in a dini madrasa that person is sitting and passing time and others in the home are already competed with the salah and now they're going to repeat it. They tell this person, it's salah time now. When are you going to perform your salah? Obviously, we're talking about all these things that come up in Durban. Don't happen here, inshallah. But these are the things that, the kind of complaints we get. Then, likewise, there are things in terms of dressing. That person who never went into a girl's madrasa, didn't see, didn't hear of a girl's madrasa in her days. But until she already was an elderly person, she had never heard about it. But mashallah, she's dressing with that haya that today a person who's got a lot of ilm, many a person who's got a lot of ilm doesn't have a fraction of that haya in that dressing and let alone have that haya if somebody else dresses in that manner with haya that person gets mocked, that person gets jeered at that you're dressing like my great granny's elder sister so all these kind of comments will get made just in order to break that spirit down to make the person feel that this is na'uzubillah what you are doing meaning the right thing becomes wrong and the wrong things start looking like rights. So this is something that in our amal, together with the amal, all these amal is zahira, the external amal, our salah, our fasting, they should be the nawafil in our life, tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif daily, our tasbihat, our zikr, all these things are essential. Without this, there won't be the nur in our ilm, let alone the nur in the ilm, even that amal to remain in our lives will become difficult. Because these are the things that bring in that spiritual energy. And without energy, a person cannot do anything. The person will have many good intentions. Somebody wants to walk, they want to run, they want to jump. But the person is so sick, he doesn't have any energy, he can't even lift a hand, ways on a walk. So likewise, the person who wants to do many amal, wants to do many good things, but the spiritual energy is missing. Now the spiritual energy is missing, all those good intentions just get left where they are. So like, like we have to build this physical energy, the spiritual energy, this comes from all these amal, from our tasbihat, daily tilawat, istighfar, durud sharif, and nawafil, etc. And there's ample time for all this. If we just get certain things out of our lives, inshallah, these things are not applicable. But again, on a gentle note, certain things we avoid, inshallah, there'll be ample time. Many a person, they're so caught up on all these social media, if we just decide to stop worrying about knowing what's happening around the whole world was happening around via all the WhatsApp 
If you just stop that part of it already, there will be ample time. Many a person who gave up the WhatsApp and gave up all these things, he says that time which I could never find for Tilawat, the time which I could never find for my zikr and tasbihat, Alhamdulillah, all that time became available. So, we just stay away from all these distractions, all these things that become obstacles in the path, and we focus ourselves on acquiring that ilm which it brings our amale zahira correct, and extremely important, our amale batina. Are we checking that our heart is getting cleaned out of any pride, any malice, any jealousy? These are all atom bombs in the heart. These are extremely dangerous poisons. They will destroy everything. So that hasad is that clean out of my heart. Am I wishing well for every Muslim? Is that malice out of my heart? Is there tawazu and humility? Have I acquired this great quality of humility? Have I acquired the tawakkul, the taqwa, the yaqeen in Allah wa ta'ala? And likewise, that khashiyat and all the various noble qualities, like we are concerned about learning how to make that wudu correctly, and the salah correctly, which is extremely important, and all the other various aspects of deen, and as we want to adorn everything, we want to adorn even that biscuit, that cake, that baking, whatever it might be, it must be done, it mustn't just be just presented anyhow, it must be really adorned. The focus must be also simultaneously to adorn our hearts. The adornment of the heart is what Allah Ta'ala looks at. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَنْظُرُ إِلَىٰ أَجْسَامِكُمْ وَلَا إِلَىٰ سُوَرِكُمْ وَلَاكِنْ يَنْظُرُ إِلَىٰ قُلُوبِكُمْ وَعَامَالِكُمْ Allah Ta'ala looks at your heart and your amal. So, to adorn that heart, to adorn that heart with all these beautiful and noble qualities, then that heart shines and Allah Ta'ala appreciates the shining heart and shows the shining heart with His Rahmat and blessings. May Allah Ta'ala accept all the efforts. Allah Ta'ala accept the efforts of the Asatiza, the Mu'allimat. Allah Ta'ala accept the efforts of the students as well. Allah Ta'ala grant us all ilm and nafiq, amal and salih. Allah Ta'ala keep us on sirat and mustaqim with istiqamat and make this ilm a means of benefit for us and make it a means of benefit for our families and for the ummah at large. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nahsithana an'alayik anta kama asini ta'ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallama bima huwa ahlu. Allahumma iftah lana bilkhayr wa akhdim lana bilkhayr. وجعل عاقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير ربنا هبنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاخذنا بنومنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسولك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف النعاد اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى وجعل آخرتنا خيرا من الأولى اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله